Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Did somebody say playoffs? The NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing. And our partners at Bet Online have you covered. So take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Welcome to another episode of the ISO. I'm Dan Dickow, your host for SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network. Today, talking with a Washington high school basketball legend, somebody that I'm glad to reconnect with, somebody who, quite frankly, I had issues guarding him. I had issues handling the ball against his pressure. One of the best high school players I've seen in quite some time. Uh, Glad to reconnect, as I mentioned, none other than Quincy Wilder from Decatur, class of 96. Quincy, how is life? Man, uh, I can't complain, man. Like I said, everything's good. I mean, outside the the, the pandemic, man, uh, you know, we just, just surviving one day at a time, man. Yeah, we uh, we talked a little bit uh, before we started recording, and, and we threw out some some common names of guys that we we knew from our high school days, guys that maybe you grew up with. I ended up playing against at some point. Brought back a lot of great memories. Um, one of the things, though, when I think about playing against or watching you play in high school, um, would have been your '96 state tournament. Uh, my high school, Prairie High School, we didn't make the state tournament that year, but I still went and watched. Um, you guys ended up making a you could probably call it a surprise run to the state tournament game against Seahome, which uh, you were correct in, in reminding me they were undefeated. So nobody got them that year, but you guys gave them a heck of a run in the title game. What are some of the greatest memories that you have from your high school days in the state of Washington? Oh, man. I mean, there's so many. I mean, well, first off, in, in the championship, we didn't give them a run, man. They they blew us <laughs> out, man. It, I think they beat us by 40. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I mean, they just had, like I said, they, you know, double team, you know, who they had a double team and everything else was history, man. But uh, just in high school, man, I, I just remember, and it, and it all went by so fast, man, uh, just um, playing hard every night. You know, the AAU circuit isn't as big as it is now. Uh, but all I want in high school and, and all I wanted to do was just play hard every night, man. I don't I don't remember, like, you know, who's in the stands or what was really going on, man. Um, I, I mean, I remember uh, just just focusing for the games, you know, taking one game at a time. And the state tournament was kind of like the NCAA tournament, you know, to me. 
So uh, just just locked in, you know, all year long, man, and trying to train and, and get there because we hadn't we hadn't won a game in the state tournament uh, in some years at Decatur, and um, and they've never finished, you know, in the in the top two or never won a championship. So they were saying that we were cursed, you know, because my sophomore year we were supposed to win it. You know, we were ranked in the country, um, and we went out first round. Second, my, my junior year, we went out first round. Um, and so they were saying Decatur was cursed, man. So I just remember just trying to lock in and trying to make ground in the state tournament. You know, it's really cool to see the evolution of basketball in the state of Washington where you, you see guys like, you know, Zach Levine, who's essentially an all-star, uh, perennial all-star every year. Guys like Brandon Roy would have been uh, a perennial all-star had he not got hurt. Isaiah Thomas unbelievably good Jamal Crawford uh has now made it a 20-year NBA career it's awesome Nate Robinson the list goes on and on you grew up in the the Federal Way area and there have been a lot of really good players out of that area the guys that quickly come to mind for me uh Mike Dickerson Donnie Marshall and Roberta Bergerson growing up how connected were you with those guys? And, and if you were connected, what did you learn from them? And what did they help share with you um, as you grew your game as a young kid? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, uh, Donnie, Donnie Marshall, you would see him, you know, here and there. And I've seen him at some open gyms and things like that. But uh, more so of, of, of Mike Dickerson and, and, uh, and Roberto. Um, like I said, uh, you know, that's my family. Roberto's my family. And Mike, went to Decatur, you know, before I got there and he transferred the federal way. So it was me coming to school there. Um, and I remember I was, uh, living with Burton, his, uh, and just watching him and Mike, you know, work, you know, going to the pro club, working out with Steve Gordon back then, you know, I mean, if you were anybody, then you're going to the pro club and doing workouts with Steve Gordon. And so just watching, you know, watching those guys, uh, kind of put the work in, um, and, and I just kind of got to see why, okay, well, okay, these guys are special. And I mean, and, and, and Mike was, you know, he was just such a, uh, a great talent, taking that away from Bert. I mean, cause Bert was a great talent too. Um, but just as far as, you know, the athleticism, the quickness, the shooting, the quick release, you know, uh, I mean, we would go to the pro club and, and he would just work on quick releases, you know, shooting. And we're, I mean, it was just, um, learning a lot from the guys before me. I mean, we all learned something from somebody, you know, and just seeing how they worked and, and seeing how they shot the ball and how Bert shot the ball and how he worked on his craft. So um, I learned a lot from those guys, man. Yeah, Berto is uh, somebody that I you know, have gotten to know over the last couple of years. And uh, I, I really love his approach to the game of basketball. I follow him on social media. We've talked a number of times. I want to get back to the high school stuff in a little bit, but you now are doing something very similar to what Roberto does in, the, in, in Boise. You're yeah. running basketball workouts for kids where you're helping them improve on their skills, but you're also, also teaching them life skills. Where did that passion come from? You know, it, it's, I mean, just being younger and being at uh, Decatur, you know, we had clinics you know, when we were Decatur, the thing about Decatur, it was ran kind of like a college, you know, Ed Boyce ran it like a college. So we did clinics. We did all these things, you know, back when I was, 
you know, a freshman, you know what I mean? Eighth grade, I was going up to the Decatur running Gator camps and, you know, seeing the kids, seeing the mentors work with the kids, seeing Bert and those guys work with the kids. So when I got my chance to do it, it just kind of stuck. And, and it's cool to, you know, help a kid and at a, at a camp or clinic, you know, and, and we got to coach these teams and we would have a draft, all these kids and you actually coaching these kids to play. So it just, it, it really just stuck, man, you know, and, and, and like I said, it was more so Bert was there. So I was just, I was just kind of following to see how things work because he had been there, you know, a couple of years. And, uh, and, and like I said, just learning um, and, and falling in love with, like I said, the kids we, you know, we work with because for a while, you know, like I said, me and, me and Bert, it was like, you know, he always had a, you know, step on me when we were younger. You know, we'd go in the back and play outside full court one-on-one for hours, you know, so it was always, you know, that love for the game. And then, like I said, when we started doing clinics with these kids, man, it was just something about helping the kids and, and, and working with them um, and seeing them blossom, man, just kind of stuck with me. So, As someone who's now coaching kids, uh, help them reach their goals, their dreams, and looking at their game and what they need to work on to, to have a chance to reach their goals – I do some of that over here in Spokane as well. And I always gravitate towards one or two fundamentals or one or two skills that I really like in a player. What would the one or two skills that you really look at and say, this is the most important thing to me. I want to make sure they're dialed in on this. Footwork foundation. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's kind of what that, well, that is what I teach first. You know, I might line the kids up and have them doing triple threat and jab steps. If I ask you, you don't know what triple threat is, then we got to work on that. So that's kind of how I start um, everything. I mean, the footwork is, is most important. I mean, the mental aspect of it is, is just as important. But if you don't have the good foundation, and a lot of times uh, nowadays people are skipping that. You know, they're skipping the foundation, and so the kid's traveling or his foot's not down, you know, it's coming off a screen, his footwork's not down. So um, that is probably the the biggest thing to me and a thing that I see that some kids are very talented, but they're missing. I couldn't believe more in a fundamental basis is what you just said because I'm a big believer in, in, in footwork, and then that ties into being able to shoot it, pass it, uh, dribble it, catch it, all that stuff. Well, you, when you look at, when I looked at your game, you had, you did have good footwork. You had the most devastating move, maybe outside of Jamal Crawford's handles that's become legendary across the whole world uh, in the game of basketball. But you might have had the most devastating move in all of high school basketball in the state of Washington that I've ever seen. Your left to right sweeping low kind of Allen Iverson crossover. Mm. How many people have told you that to this day? Man, there's been a couple, you know, there's been, there's been a couple. And, 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 you know, like I said, man, I just remember it as just trying to be able to score. Uh, But I did, I practiced that move a lot, you know, the left to right crossover. I mean, that's all you really need to be able to create separation. So um, yeah, there's a couple people who said that, man. Uh, well, I was never a great defender to begin with, but I knew for a fact it, when I played against you in, in AAU and, and summer league stuff, if I was put in a 1-4 flat situation and guarding you at the top, it was over. I couldn't keep you out of the paint. So I'll just, I'll, I'll just tell you that right now. 
Oh man, well, like I said, man, hey, I appreciate it, man. And it, you know, like I said, man, it, it, I just worked on it, man. And and you know, in high school, it was it was more so. I I think that um, the athletic ability um, and you know, learning one or two moves, being able to score uh, to help me out a lot. Um, but man, I really didn't. I really didn't learn, you know, how to train like a professional, um, you know, until I got you know, beyond college, you know what I mean? Like when I left USC, that's kind of when I learned everything, man. It, it was, you know, you learn things later, you know, and I just didn't know exactly what it took, you know, to, to take your game to the next level, man. You mentioned beyond high school and you get to college and, and, and everybody's path is different about, you know, having the proper grades, having guidance from a coach, a parent, an AAU coach, a high school counselor of getting themselves ready for high school. Um, you started your college career at Highline Community College and you played with Brian Scalabrini and then you and Brian, as well as correct me if I'm wrong, it was coach Calero went yep. down to, to USC together. Um, yep. What was the early part of your college career like with those two? And then what led you to leave USC? Mm-hmm. Uh well, I mean, at Highline, um, I chose Highline because I didn't, I didn't have the grades. I signed with the UW, you know, because I, you know, I wanted to stay, you know, in Washington. I mean, it was just family was here, so I'm like, why leave? Um, and when I got the Highline um, with Calero and Scalabrini, man, I mean, we had a, I mean, we might have gave the Dub a little run that year, you know. What I mean, we had a pretty good team, man. I mean, I, I mean, just you know, you seen what Scalabrini did and and Reggie Ball, that was old day. Um, we just had a lot of, a lot of pieces that that fit that work, man, and and able to we were able to win two back to back titles. I mean that's hard in any league, you know what I mean? Losing I think one game maybe the whole time. Um, so it was, I mean that was just something special, you know that we that we put together and just meeting Calero. He was a different type of coach, you know, different from I had known Boyce that I had known Calero. Uh, Boyce was more like a you know, like a Bobby Knight ish. And then you had Calero where it's kind of like, you know, uh, I mean, just more like a player's coach, you know, just get out and run. You don't even have to rebound, just go run. That's what you told him. He said, just, you shoot it, just run. I was like, oh, okay. So I got, so that was my job. I mean, just shoot it and then run down the court and take off, try to get a fast break. So um, it, it, it was great, man. He taught me a lot. And then when we signed to, me and Brian uh, signed there to go together. And with Calero, it was kind of like a package deal, you know. And uh, getting to Southern Cal, man, I mean, that's Pac-10. You know, we got a lot of good guards in the league, you know, that year. I mean, you got uh, – who's up there? Arthur Lee and Baron Davis and, and Jason Terry and Eddie House. You know what I mean? Like, we, there's some there's some talented uh, uh, guards in there, man. And the SC was, was a, a great experience for me. It was my first time – uh, dealing with, um, you know, dealing with kind of like controversy, dealing with uh, just not being able to, um, you know, get things to go the way I want, like for the first time in my life, you know. Um, and what what happened was, and it's a quick story, was that um, we had a certain scale that we had to do in practice you know, scale between one through five. If you come out with the most points at the end of basically at the end of at the end of preseason practices, you're going to start. And so I was the top of my position 
and uh, Coach Henry Bibby. So we got our starters, all five. Me, Red, a couple other guys were starting. And about two hours for the game, Coach calls me in there and says, uh, man, uh, I'm not going to start you anymore. Uh, I'm going to start uh, Brandon Granville. He was a freshman. He said, uh, you know, he's from California, you know. Uh, I mean, that's just the guy I'm going to go with right now. I know you went out in points. So from that moment on, you know, I was just like, oh, okay, he lied to me. So it changed my whole college experience, you know. And so I kind of got in my own way, you know, to where it was. I mean, I still played a lot. But I felt that from that time on that I was starting that game and then for the whole season, it was like, that's what I thought about. That's all I thought about, you know, and I still started other couple games. And, and, and Coach Bibby, he told me, you know, he told me I'm the most offensive, talented player, you know, at the school. But it was just coming off the bench. I just, six man wasn't cool back then. You know, being a six man, was, it wasn't cool back then. So um, that, I just kind of got my own way there, man. But he still you know, trusted me enough to every time I got in the game, he'd give me the ball, but I was so locked into what happened preseason that that whole year was just off, man. And so I was like, I told him at the beginning, I said, I'm leaving. Uh, I'll stay the year and get the, you know, get the reps. But after that, I'm gone. You know, that's, uh, that's something that uh, for any athlete that you think you've earned something, something gets taken away for whatever reason. Many times it's hard to adjust and mm -hmm. kind of recalibrate your focus um, and I think the greatest example of that, honestly, is a guy that comes from the state of Washington and Jamal Crawford, who mm -hmm. uh, everybody who follows the game knows he's as good as any guard collectively over the last 20 years. Yeah. But he's accepted his role. He's known that, hey, you know what? I'm going to come off the bench, be the sixth man, and, and I'm going to have a chance to, to really impact the game. And it's been beautiful to watch. Uh, the, the other guy that you mentioned in that last little bit as far as Highline – and a name that I haven't heard in, from about in years, Reggie Ball from O'Day. Mm -hmm. Now, you probably know his scouting report better than I would, and I know we have a lot of Washington High School uh, basketball coaches and fans that listen to this. I swear he was slow. And, and please, if Reggie, if you're listening to this, he was slow. He couldn't go left. He couldn't shoot. Right. But his team won more times than not. It was unbelievable. What was your take on Reggie Ball? Because that name stuck with me really quickly when you shared that story. Yeah. You know, what Reggie, man, uh, he was like – it was like he was a, a – a, I mean, a pest out there, you know, because one thing about Metro, Metro guards, you know, that league, they always had crafty guards. When people when, – when they first started stealing the ball from behind, when you'd be dribbling and somebody swipe it from behind, like that stuff started in the Metro with those tricky steals, man, and you'd be dribbling one way and the ball would be gone. So he mastered the defense being able to he – wasn't, he wasn't super fast, you know, and, and, his, and his shooting uh, was up and down. Um, but he knew how to anticipate. So he was already three plays ahead. You know what I mean? So that's why I think that he had so much success. And he just – he knew defense. He knew how to read. So he would get steals. And now he's on the wing. You know, whoever he's work, whoever he's running with is Doug Ren or whoever. You know what I mean? He's just throwing it up and, you, and, you're, and you're dunking. So um, I just think that he was more of a, a chess player out there. And, and his mind was, you know, a point guard mind to where he knew his weaknesses and he knew his strengths. 
So I think that's why he has so much success. That's a good way to put it. I like that. He, he was playing chess. Uh, yeah. The other guy that obviously you know, you know well, I know well, I was teammates with him for a short stint in the NBA with the Celtics is, is Brian Scalabrini. Um, I don't think, and Brian would tell you this himself, nobody pegged him for a 10-year NBA career back in high school, back at Highline. But he found his niche in how he could be successful but he's also one of the most fun teammates I've ever been around. Oh, yeah. What, what, what is your experience with Brian Scalabrini? Because I don't think I've ever come across anybody that has a negative word about Brian Scalabrini. Yeah. Nah, man. I mean, uh, you know, me and Red, like I said, you know, we party together. We, we, I mean, we, uh, we played together. And Red was, you know, such a character. Now, nobody had him pegged for the 10-year uh NBA career but I knew him as far as I seen him working you know so I can't say that I didn't know that you know what I mean because the work that he put in was crazy you know what I mean like he was getting shots you know I mean back in high school like he already had he already had a pro mindset mentality you know in which not a lot of us have you know back then I know I didn't you know what I mean? And so he was the guy getting up reps. You know, we I went and met him at a gym, him and Paul Felker somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and he was in there getting reps. You know, when we got to Southern Cal, he was in there getting reps. He was running the track. And so I think that he was ahead of his time. You know what I mean? And he had it figured out in his mind, but he just knew that he had to put in the extra work. And he put in a lot of work. You know, it wasn't like he just rolled in there and, and did it you know i seen him putting in work to where i was at a point in my life where like oh man i mean I, i'm not going to the gym well okay well look, I, this is where i'm gonna be you know for the next couple hours so uh he earned that you know what i mean i i would agree he earned that and he's he's doing a phenomenal job as a as a nba broadcaster with the Celtics. Yeah. i don't know if you had a chance to to listen yeah, to yeah, i'll be listening games. to him <laughs> he's fun to listen to yeah did yeah, he I'll... always have that because cause I know when I was teammates with him, he had a great sense of humor. Was he back that way at, at Highline as well? He's always been like that, man. Always. He's just, like I said, that's just him, man. Like, he, you know, he's not going to change. He, that's just how he is. The sense of humor has always been there, man. And he's always been really smart, though. You know, he's always been really smart. And, you know, even like I said, when we were at, you know, we were at Southern Cal, I mean, we were teammates, we were teammates at Highline. So, I mean, we, I would drive back home to Tacoma. He would ride with me, you know, because he would go home. So we spent hours on hours, you know, just talking, picking his brain, you know, he picked my brain and we just talking about different things, man. So um, I, Red was a person that's always going to be honest, you know what I mean, with you. You know, he's not going to say, oh, okay, well, this person was good and they really weren't good i mean i, I like big red and i like i like what he's doing man i haven't talked to him you know in a while you know what i mean but i, I see him on there uh uh doing stuff so I, I like that what he's doing well if if you want me to connect you i'll, I'll get you his phone number for sure uh, i'd love to help you out in that way but every young person kind of has a a growing curve to their life there's adversity that they come through and i know you've been very open about uh some of the things that occurred in your playing career there was a really good article on the athletic.com um about some of the things that you decisions that you made and, and how you learned from them um before we started recording this conversation 
you know, you essentially told me, hey, look, I'm an open book. I want to help people. Um, I made some mistakes, but I'm also, I've learned from my mistakes. I'm currently writing a book. If you can quickly go into detail for, for people maybe that don't really necessarily know the story, um, you went from USC to Boise State, and a couple things, uh, you know, happened that kind of put you on a different path than maybe you would hope to be. But you have absolutely righted, uh, you've learned from them, and, and you've, you, you've, you've turned things around. Can you share with us? Yeah. So, uh, man, so between my uh, USC, Boise State, um, yeah, man, I got, I got uh, when I was at Boise State, I got incarcerated uh, for a robbery assault at Boise State. So I set out a year there, you know, and, and it was the first, first time in my life, man, to where, like I said, I, 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 in my mind, uh, I trained, you know, like a pro, you know, they gave me everything, keys to the gym, lowering the basket, shoot away. And so it was the first time in my life where just being on my own and being able to, to, to figure out, you know, how this game of basketball uh, works and how I'm going to make it. You know, and so I, I was in the best shape of my life, man, the best that I've ever been. Um, and just going to camps, you know, with Tim Gergerich and, you know, all these other uh, NBA coaches there. And, and, they, and they told my coach, man, they told uh, Ed Boyce, he was at Boise State, and he, they told him, I said, man, just, just you know, as long as he stays cool, man, he's going to get a shot. You know what I mean? And and uh, and that that right there, man, like I said, that that meant a lot to me. You know what I mean? Because I worked on my game after leaving – SC, man, I wanted to prove to everybody, you know, that, okay, well, I'm going to come in, I'm average about 25, and everything's going to be, you know, uh, back to normal. And, uh, man, I got into a little altercation uh, back at home in Washington over on a, uh, was it in the summer? I think it was in summer when I came home from Boise State, man, and uh, I got charged with a robbery assault. And, um Instead of going to instead of going to trial, man, I, I took the deal. You know what I mean? Because I, I was at fault. You know what I mean? I was at fault, uh, running around drinking, you know, smoking, and uh, like I said, got into a situation. And next thing you know, I'm locked up for a robbery assault, man. Doing, um, I had to do a year and a day, so I ended up doing like 11 months uh, between uh, Shelton and Stafford Creek. You know, and like I said, 11 months isn't that long of a time but it still gives you that you know that red flag now you know what i mean it gives you that red flag now man and um to me i still knew that i could i would be able to play because the time wasn't that long but the red flag now people aren't going to give you the same chance so um they wanted me basically to start over from the bottom you know and so i i, I went to prison did my 11 months. I got so much mail from people, you know, support. Um, and, and that kept me going, you know what I mean? Through the times. But like I said, it wasn't that long of a time for me. So when I got out of there, my mindset kind of changed to where now I got to prove myself over again. So I was getting with these coaches and there's, Oh, well, you know, we don't know if he can still play. And I'm like, look, I was only gone for 11 months. You know what I mean? And so, when I got out of there, it just my mindset changed as far as how basketball was. I was more angry at coaches and at basketball, even though a coach did give me another shot at Evergreen State and I played well there. But I was still my mindset was different toward the game of basketball. I, I, I played it, but I was mad at it, you know. 
you know, that's one of the things that a lot of people go through different things. And, and sometimes people view what had happened as a, as a bigger negative than maybe it is. Now, you're now in a position where you're coaching young kids and you're mentoring young kids. What do you try to take away from your career, your experiences to help impart knowledge, impart wisdom and experience to these kids to, to help them be the best person that they can be? Yeah. I mean, the, the main thing, man, is, you know, just stay focused, keep your circle small. You know what I mean? And, and, and if I had, you know, somebody, you know, telling me the things that I know now, you know, outcome may have been different. You know what I mean? But, you know, focus more on your goal. Don't worry about things you can't control. You know what I mean? If you're playing, focus on your craft. You know what I mean? And, and that's all you need to be concerned about, you know, because nobody can stop you but you. You know, that's it. You know what I mean? And when I was in high school, there was a guy that told me, and I don't even know why he said it, and I don't know. It didn't make sense to me until I was locked up the second time. And he said to me, he said, it won't be talent why you don't make it. He said, it won't be talent. And so back then, I was, oh, yeah, you know, it might have been, a, it was a fan or something. Okay, cool, whatever. You know, I'm not listening to it. But years and years later, it it hit me, you know, why he said that, man. So when I talk to these kids, man, I just, I, I talk to them from experience, man. I, I, um, I mean, I try to get into uh, some of these juvenile detention centers and, 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 and deal with these kids and talk to them. Um, that's a whole other uh, conversation uh, that I, I'm still trying to work on. Um, but man, it's just, yeah, just, just keep your goal, man. And, and, and write down your goals. You know what I mean? I write everything down, man. I write everything down now. You know, I got a passion planner. I write down my goals where I want to do in a year, five years. I write it all down. And so for the young kids that I that I train high school, college, I tell them to get these goals and stick them somewhere where you can see them every day. You know what I mean? Don't put them in a book. You know what I mean? But whatever your goals is, 25 points, uh, get to college, whatever it is, put it on the on the bottom of your bed or, or on the window so you pass it every day. And now it's just becoming second nature. So if I ask you, well, what are your goals? Oh, man, it's 25, getting to college and doing this. But if you put it in the book, you might be like, well, I think it was, you know, these three things. So um, I, and that's another thing that I talk to the kids about is just writing everything down, man. Write down your goals and dreams. And if you believe it, you can achieve it. And that is just that's the God's honest truth, man. I, I really like that. Write it down. Make put it where you can see it and then hold yourself responsible to it. Now, before yeah. we started recording, uh, you had told me that you started writing in a journal and you're mm -hmm. actually working on a book. Tell us a little bit about the book, what stages you're in, and then when it's finished, when maybe where people can find some information about reading more about your story, your journey. Mm -hmm. Well, as of right now, like I said, it's still, uh, I mean, the book is, is, is written, but now you got to go through editors. You know, I got, I got a couple of different versions of it. Cause one of them I'm kind of doing like a podcast with a friend of mine. So we're just documenting everything that I've been through. So we're kind of talking like me and you were talking. Um, so, but I got the, I got the book written out, man. I uh, got editors and looked at it. And so now it's just trying to figure out if you want to self publish it 
or if you want to pay the money and you know and go the other route so um when it when it comes out man i'll, I'll let everybody know i'm pretty active on social media as of right now i don't have a date but when it does hit man best believe you'll be one of the first people to know you know what i mean and and yeah just like i said the book man it's just basically about everything i've been through you know i had the one i had the one prison sentence and i had another prison sentence that actually changed my life man you know what i'm saying and and uh, we'll probably get into that if you like to um, but yeah, it changed my life, man. And that's all the, really the, the book is about from start to now, you know what I mean? And what I learned from in the prison system that I learned more there than I knew out when I was out, you know what I mean? Out on the street. So, um, it, it changed my life, man. And, and made use of the time, you know what I mean? Made use of the time. Well, I, I'd love to, to hear, hear your thoughts on that because we had, I had Karan Butler, uh, who played in the NBA for 14, 15 years. He was incarcerated as, I believe, a 14, 15-year-old in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, and he's a big advocate for rehabilitation and, and helping kids uh, or anybody who's in that situation kind of rehabilitate uh, and learn while they're there. What, what are your thoughts and, and how, how are you helping people in that situation now? Because I think you're a shining example of, hey, you realize you made a mistake, and, and I think you, we know each other well enough, I can say that. You, you made a mistake, but you're, you've gotten better at it, and now you're helping young kids not make those same mistakes and make the best of their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, first off, like, like I said, when I um, – I mean, I, I got out – I did a 13-year prison sentence. I got out in 2018. So – when I got out of there, that was that was my goal. It wasn't to to be, you know, the skill development coach or basketball trainer. It was to help the kids that were in situations like mine, you know. So the thing is, it's difficult to get into these places, you know, in Washington, you know, Raymond Hall. Uh, you got the juvenile detention center um, down here, uh, there in, in Seattle. It, they're difficult to get into because they don't want you just to come in and tell a story. You know, they and then leave. They want it to be more so like a like a plan, like a course, you know, set the course up. Um, and so I went down to Raymond Hall and I spoke to uh, one of the guys there that was in charge of the stuff. And he told me that. And it was last year. And he told me um, that we need you to come up with something like a curriculum. You know, and I was like, OK, well, um, I was doing some training at the time. And I was like, well, I'll have to try to do it when I can. You know what I mean? But if they would ever ask me to. To, to speak, to tell a story, man, to come in, to, to, to do anything, you know what I mean? I, I, I would do it, man. It's just, um, it's, it's tough because you got some kids that are in there and they just don't have any hope, you know, to where they're doing prison sentence 10, 11, 12 years, six years, you know, to when you do that long of a stretch, you think that everything is gone, you know what I mean? And you have no hope. And that's not true. I mean, you got to think just like a college in four years, you could be anything you want to be. You know, they go get their bachelor's degree and then you go get your doctorate in eight years. So it's it's that's kind of how I took the approach um, when I got incarcerated. So just sharing that with people, you know what I mean, whether they're incarcerated or not, and just letting them know, like, look, I did 13 years, man. And when I when I went in. I learned more there than I did outside. Like, I, I mean, like when I was in high school, man, I didn't know how important credit was. You know, I, I just, I didn't. I didn't know how important credit was. I didn't know, 
you know, just certain things about budgeting, you know, didn't know just certain things about real estate, you know, all these things that are now, you know, so important on how the world kind of operates, you know what I mean? And, and stocks and bonds and things like that. Like I learned that when I was in prison, I got books and I just started reading, you know, I started reading and people were sending me books and I would tell them, hey, send me a book on uh, real estate wholesaling. And so, and then, man, after that, like I said, I started working for a car dealership when I was in prison still. So the people that are buying cars don't know I'm in prison. You know, I'm at, I, I'm, I'm in, I go home to prison and I go work at a car dealership when I get out. You know, so that's when I learned about credit. You know, so I went in the finance manager's office and he kind of, she kind of told me how finance works and how people's credit is what matters. You know, people come in a dealership with a 500 credit score and you treat them bad. They come in there with 850. You give them everything in the dealership. So like it changed, you know, just my thought process on a lot of different things, man. And, and I just had, like I said, I had 13 years to study everything. So that's kind of how I look at it. Knowledge is power in, in whatever yeah. business, whatever industry you're in. Uh, if you hold the knowledge, you hold a lot of the cards. Uh, and that's, I love hearing some of these stories. couple last two questions before I, I let you go. Um, All right. So, the best player that you played against in high school. And I, and I know you were from the same era. You were 96, I was 97. So you got Donald Watts, uh, Tarek Brown. You got a number of guys like that. Yeah. Give me the best guy you played against in high school. And man, it's crazy because I knew he was going to ask me that question. And, it, and sometimes it changes. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, it changes day to day. I hear you. you I, know, I, I'm uh, but I mean, but man, no, I mean, in, in high school, um, I mean, it had to be Michael Dickerson, man, you know, because I played against him when I was a sophomore and, you know, he was gone my junior senior year, but just being able to see him work out and everything that he had, like I said, quickness, you know, athletic ability, able to shoot it and just how he trained, you know what I mean? I didn't. So me as a sophomore, seeing him you know you got you got Bert there but like I said you know Mike was you know was like you know just he was just a just a freak of nature man so I was like okay now I got you know I got something that I a measuring stick you know him and Bert but I wanted you know what I mean I want that measuring stick so I that's how I took the high school my high school career was like okay Mike and Bert did this all right so this is what I'm about to do and so I have to say um uh, Mike Dickerson, or I give you one name you probably haven't heard in a while, Shea Cotton. Oh, you played against him in the AAU circuit? Shea Cotton, yeah, I played against him in high school. Uh, and he was just so big, man. I mean, he was he was so big, and you just really – there's nothing you really could do. He he couldn't really shoot it well, but he was good around the, good around the basket. I mean, man, I mean, in that list can – Baron Davis, I played against him in high school. You know, as far as quickest, quickest point guard with handles, I mean, Jamal. Like I said, I don't, I don't even know, man. But the <laughs> name that 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 comes off as far as the the best overall in my in that high school will have to be uh, Mike. You know, well, best ball handler, Jamal for sure. Yeah, I I would agree with you with with Mike D in that era, and again, you were a year before me, but. You know, I had the ability to, to go to the Steve Gordon workouts at the Bellevue Pro Club that you had mentioned earlier in our conversation. And I was a high school kid. He was at Arizona at the time. And I was like, 
I got to play against him when I get to college. And granted, there were pros there, but Mike D's kind of approach to it, his methodical approach to getting better with the basics, the fundamentals, on top of his strength and athleticism and skills, it was untouchable in high school. It was hard. Yeah. It, was, it was ridiculous. Yeah, untouchable, man. He, I mean, he, he was, yeah, he was the, you know, like, like I said, the guy that I really went after. Like, okay, he was like Jordan. Okay, you know, as far as high school, I was like, okay, I gotta, I got some big shoes to fill, and, you know. So that's how that was my, that was my approach. I was like, okay, Mike, okay, what Mike do? So I was looking at number. I was looking at Mike stuff, and I was like, okay. So I mean, that's just, like I said, no disrespect to to, to anybody else, but and, and it was just like I said, he had the. He was he was ahead of 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 everything, man, and and uh, that's who I kind of like I said went after. So last question: Scorebook Live Washington SB Live Sports. We ran uh, a fan poll to vote on the greatest player from 2000 to current uh, uh, from the state of Washington. Isaiah Thomas won the poll, and I, I can't complain with it. I can't argue with it because he's had a tremendous career in high school. No, just as a cumulative career. Now, oh, okay. Now, you you had a tremendous career. You know guys that have had a tremendous career. You follow guys that have had a tremendous career. Regardless of era, they could have played in the state of Washington in the 80s or early 90s like a Doug Christie or current. Who are you taking as the greatest player from the state of Washington? That is – it's a tough wow. one. I've asked now. Now, are you are you taking everything? So high school, college, pro, all that together. Just cumulative. Put it all together. Right. Because there there are three guys to me that kind of fit the bill, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Hmm. Who you pick? Oh, and I only get one man. I mean, so I, I, I'll say I'll say this. I'll say this. Um, now, depending on how we're looking at it, okay. Uh, there was a there's a couple guys that I wasn't out here for. Um, um, but I mean they were, you know, they were hands down. Uh uh Michael Porter, you know what I mean? That what he did, what he did in high school, I was away, but it was just it was impressive. Um, but I would have to go with emulative, that's tough. I mean, you almost have to you, you almost have to take either Jamal, you know what I mean? Um, I mean, because I no disrespect to IT, I'm gonna take Jamal over IT for sure all day, you know, 10 times. Yeah. Um, Brandon Roy, you know what I mean? And only reason why he got hurt, you know what I mean? He was the best two guard in the league, you know what I mean, before he got hurt, you know, I mean, arguably. Um, you know, and and the kid that that we spoke about earlier that I'm really impressed with as far as that has the hops, the quickness, the shot that they can't stop, man, is Zach Levine. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, like I said, you can kind of shift it, you know, the, the, the way, any way you want to shift it, but I'm looking at it, like you said, overall as to the pros too, you know what I mean? Cause it's all together. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you were just saying straight high school, then the answer probably changed. You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, just as the overall career, I, I, I mean, I might be missing somebody, but those three are pretty pretty tough. Yeah, but it, it's it's so crazy because I'll, I'll pose that question to a lot of people, whether it's a podcast like this 
or I'm talking to a high school coach for SB Live where we're trying to figure out different things or get an angle on a story. There are so many guys that come that are good that have come out of the state. Um, the three to me, and I'm not saying you're right or wrong, or I'm more correct than you are. Yeah, yeah, uh, give me your three. John Stockton, just because he gets overlooked because he's from the state of Washington. I, I forgot, man. He was – I did. Yeah, I'm but, sure. But I've, I've got the Gonzaga connection, and yeah, I, yeah, I have yeah. a chance to talk with him pretty frequently over here. Let me, I, let me sub one for John Stockton. I'm going to sub one for John Stockton. I forgot about John Stockton. My bad. You're good. Hey, no worries. But I, I would put Jamal right there. I mean, anytime you're a 20-year NBA guy. And I know when we release this podcast, the NBA bubble will start playing games again. Yeah. I guarantee you, this is just my take, Jamal will average double figures after not having played a single game this year. Oh, That's yeah. He is. And his game just translates to – it could translate to three-on-three pickup at the park, five-on-five NBA, or one-on-one. Jamal's going to be good. Yeah. And then – I have to go Brandon Roy. I mean, we were teammates for one year. Had he not gotten hurt, he was a he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's just yeah. what I feel. Yeah, that's just a fact, man. And and it was like he, you, you know, his game was was quiet, you know, and, and and then like he just boom, you know what I mean? And really, he figured it out, and they couldn't do nothing with him, man. Like I said, if it wasn't for the the, the knee injuries, man, there. I mean, he was. He was the best two guard in the league, you know, and yeah, that was just it sucks as that's what happened, you know. But yeah, man, no disrespect to Stockton, man. I forgot about Stockton, man. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm hey, I wasn't trying to throw you under the bus in any way. I mean, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna take one of yours, and then I'm gonna sub in. I'm gonna sub in Stockton because you can't. I mean, that he goes first. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just because of you know what he did in his long career. You know what I mean? Like I said, I was I was uh I was slipping on that, but yeah, you got that. Yeah, you got that. Well, Quincy. Uh, I appreciate getting a chance to talk face-to-face on this Zoom call. I know we're just going to release the audio. I know we've texted uh, occasionally over the last month or so. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy to connect, reconnect. I'm glad that things are, are absolutely going in a great direction for you as well as, as the trainings that you're doing with, with kids. And, and also I'm looking forward to uh, reading the book when it has a chance to get published. So thanks for joining SB Live Sports, and thanks for joining me today. All right, man. I appreciate you, man. Good luck, all right? ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.